Turn to your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34 this morning. He said to them, Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. And again he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. you pray with me? Uh, Dear God, I just want to invite you right now to join us, Lord God. Thank you for giving us this awesome opportunity to gather together and worship your holy name, God, and just to have a safe place where we can honor you. Um, I pray that you anoint Jackie and anoint the teaching that he's bringing us, God, and that it be a a spiritual feeding that we get and we can go and take with us the rest of this week, the rest of our lives. And uh, God, I just want to pray that as we go out from here, you just be the light that we shine forth into the world. And so, God, I just again invite you to come here with us today. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, as we continue our journey through Mark chapter 4, we we come to a section of Mark chapter 4 where we're uh, dealing with what many people call the kingdom parables. And uh, we'll just be looking at at these that uh, that we've read through this morning. And as we do, <clears throat> we want to have, we want to make the choice to have eyes and ears, to see and hear. Because one of the things that Jesus was pretty consistent in his um, description for the men and women that would hear the things that he taught was the idea that he's going to broach for us uh, this morning, and that is, To him who wants to hear, more will be given. And to him who really doesn't care what he hears, even what he hears, it's not going to take root. Last time, you remember, we we sat down and we shared about the parable of of the sower, right? You guys with me? And we talked about four different types of soils, right? Three of those soils produce no fruit. We talked about the idea that that is... uh, um, the hearts of men and women receiving the gospel. Three-fourths of those hearts never uh, lay hold of the seed of the gospel by faith and thereby don't enter into a place of salvation because 
well, a multitude of different things, right? Remember the birds of the air? The, the devil came in, swooped, stole away the seed. Some was the cares of this world. The cares of this world choked uh, out the, the, the fruitfulness. Others' heart was too hard. And it just bounced off. The seed never set. And as Jesus goes from there, he, he describes to, to the disciples, when they said they didn't understand that parable, he said, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand the rest? And so when we look at it, we, we begin to tie together. As we look, especially the parables in this section, we, we tie those together with what God is doing, how God is, is working, what Jesus is teaching in this section. And so when we look at the next one, and we're still talking about him standing before the disciples and laying these things out. Look at verse 21. It says, And also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, or anything that's been kept secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And we're going to see Jesus use that phrase rather often, especially when we get into the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3. At the end of every letter to the seven churches, Jesus uh, ends with that phrase, let him who has ears hear. The idea is that we're responsible. We're to be responsible hearers. We're to, we are responsible for the condition of our soil. Does that make sense? We're to be responsible for our attitude when we come to receive the word of God. And as Jesus moves on, and he's going to challenge us, every one of us, to be men and women who will sow the seed. We also need to make sure that we are men and women willing to receive. He said, if you have ears, I didn't notice anybody when we were coming in this morning that was missing ears. So we have them, right? So if you have ears, what did Jesus say? Then hear. Then hear. Make the choice to hear, to open up your heart, to receive the, the work that the, that the Word of God wants to accomplish in our hearts and lives. The Scripture tells us in Isaiah 60, and when we look at it, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. And in Isaiah 60, I think, <clears throat> looking toward... Messiah, there's a couple of inter interesting parallels with this, with this parable or this phrase or the story that Jesus tells. As we look at it, oftentimes, and we're going to talk about it today, we want to be people who let our light shine, right? We get that? But when we look at the scripture that, that Jesus is talking about, he says, Has the lamp come in order to be put under a bushel? And there are other places in Scripture, Isaiah 60 is one, we'll look at the rest of it in just a second, that where, where that lamp is shown to be Messiah. And up until this time, Jesus had been doing what with his disciples? He comes, he, he casts out a demon. What's he tell the guy? Don't tell anybody. He heals somebody. What's he tell that guy? Don't tell anybody. And I bet there was a question rising up in the disciples. What, what is the... What is this thing that we're doing where we go out to not tell anybody about Messiah? And Jesus is going to he's going to build on that concept as we work our way through the gospel, but his point is, look, the lamp didn't come to go hide under a, a bed or under a basket. It came to shine. But there's a specific day and time and purpose for that shining. 
In fact, in the Gospel of Luke, we read that there was a particular day, the day that, that Messiah was to shine. We, we, we looked at it a little bit. Remember when we talked about the triumphal entry? Luke tells us that that was the day. And in fact, the judgment that came upon the nation of Israel came upon them as a result of them not knowing the day. They didn't know the day. And you may ask yourself, why didn't they know the day? Well, it was told us in Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 lays out for us a mathematical equation by which we can reckon the day. Now, I just want you to stay with me. You could have read Daniel chapter 9 a hundred times and never cared enough to figure out what day it was talking about. Right? So then when Jesus says, let him who has ears hear. Let the one who wants to understand, understand. He could have just come out and said it plain. But by placing the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, by laying out the parables, he's saying, look, if you want to know me, if you want a relationship with me, all you got to do is come. All you got to do is want. All you got to do is have a desire to say, I want to know. Because every, as we come to the end of the section this morning, every parable, the disciples would come to understanding because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they were close to him, he revealed. Because they wanted to know, they saw. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Speaking of the Messiah. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. So you have the dawning of the, of the morning star. You have the, the rising of Messiah, likened unto a light that that draws the peoples to it. And so when Jesus says, has the lamp come that it would hide under a basket? Look, it's not always going to be like this. But on the day when it's time, those things are going to be laid out. Those things are going to be made open so that we can understand. And the point is that God wants us to follow Jesus and if we follow Jesus, and Jesus said in John, I am the light of the world, right? Then what are we supposed to be? So if I follow Jesus, <clears throat> I also am to be a light. So the application is, is great. The application is, <clears throat> if we're a lamp, <clears throat> excuse me, we're to shine. We're to shine forth. The idea really is that we would reflect the glory of Christ. Just like we see the moon that reflects the light of the sun, that you and I, if we're following Christ, and He has arisen, and He is shining, and He is drawing men to Himself, and the Gentiles are coming into His light, then when we're standing in His light, we also ought to reflect that light. So, so as we look at this, this section that Jesus is talking about, I think it's, it's really uh, twofold. It is talking about the dawning of the light of the Messiah that is about to be uh, uh, laid open for everyone who wants to come. But in also speaking and has application to you and I that we have a desire to say, look, I want to shine. I, I want to let 
my faith be real out there where people can see it. Not just hidden somewhere where, where they can't. That it's real. So Jesus is saying to them, look, in light of that, that I want you to shine. I want you also to know the day for my shining is coming. There are, are at least three of them that are going to stand before Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and see His glory revealed and the, the flesh part and the glory of God come through. They're going to see it. But I think they're also going to see it on the day when Jesus comes walking into Jerusalem on that day and they proclaim Him to be the Messiah. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord on the day that Daniel said He would come. And as he comes into that place, and as he, he, he shines there, he's also going to shine forth the glory of God, the light that has come to set men free from their sin on the day when he hangs on the cross and he becomes sin for us, he who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I think that light is going gonna, is gonna to shine. The glory of God is going to plainly be revealed three days later at the resurrection. That we just celebrated uh, a week ago. So as we look at all of those things, Jesus is saying, look, I know right now for you guys, you think that, that this, is, this is not going the way you want it to. But this is how God has laid it out. And so this lamp did not come to be under a bushel. I'm not hiding. I'm just doing things the way God, in, according to God's purposes and according to God's perfect plan not only is it seen the 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 glory of the kingdom and the responsibility that we have to that kingdom in the light that is christ and the light that we're supposed to reflect but if you look he's laying out for us that it can also be seen in the purpose of the secrets secrets interesting concept in scripture we talk about mystery mystery in the bible is is not something that we can't know a mystery in the Bible is something that we have, that needs to be revealed for us to know. It needs to be revealed. And, and one of the things that we want to recognize, look at it. It says in verse uh, 22, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. How many things are hidden? He says nothing. So what does that That implies that in the kingdom of God, God wants to reveal who He is. God wants to reveal His plan and purpose. Right? There's nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. So in the kingdom of God, not only do we recognize the light of Christ, and that we're to reflect that light, but also in the kingdom of God, we recognize that there are some things that at at a particular time may be hidden, but God's going to reveal them. He's going to reveal, He wants to reveal them. In fact, in In Mark chapter 4, right where we're at, just back up to verse 11. And remember the phrase that Jesus said. He said to them, to his disciples, For to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. You remember? To you it has been given. Now why was it given to them? Because there was something special about them? Well, I would put together this simple concept. The reason it's put together for them is because they were close to Jesus. And and just because they were close to Jesus, they got the understanding. They asked the questions. They were seeking. And so they found. The ones who were outside, out in the nosebleed section, if they wanted to know, if they wanted to ask, they could come. But it was 
a hassle. It's too crowded. Can't find a place in the parking lot or whatever the deal is. And so they, they don't come. And they don't come and ask the questions. And so Jesus says to those who are outside, they don't have understanding. Because they don't want to draw near. <clears throat> Think about what the scripture lays out for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, it says that you and I were to judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. So, there are some things we have to recognize I can only know through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through Him. When He reveals it, then I know. If He hasn't revealed it, then I don't know. I wait. Patience is not usually one of our strong suits, right? Well, maybe for you guys, it's a strong suit for you. I... I struggle a little bit with patience. I could use a little more. I'm going to give a, 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 a test of patience for the next three days, at least. <laughs> because I'm, uh, I'm jumping in a truck after, after church tonight. And we're running down to California to get my kids. And the grandkids are all moving up. And loading them. In. Yeah. Grandma's happy. And we're going we're gonna to load them up, and we're, I'll be happy after it's over. But <laughs> until that time, we will have a test of patience. How many boxes really are packed? When, I know my son. I used, to, I used to watch him clean his room. <laughs> so I called him last night. JC, everything packed? I get the same answer I used to get when I say, hey, is your room clean? Yeah, yeah, sure, Dad. <laughs> he says, it, we, we got it all ready. Well, what's, what's already mean? So already for what? <laughs> we'll find out. We, we have need of patience. But especially when we come to the scripture and understanding the things of the Lord. We've got to have patience. We've got to allow God to reveal the things that the Lord wants to reveal. Think of Hebrews 4.13. Hebrews 4.13 tells us this. There is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. So there's no mystery to God. He sees and understands all of it. Now what's the point that I think he's, that he's making here? As we, as we look again at this section in verse 22, For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. I think he's still talking about that same thing we talk about when we say, Let him who has ears hear. You want to know? There's no, there's no pill you take for that. There's no pill you take to know and understand. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the things that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Right? A lot of people know that. But not a lot of people know that that whole section keeps going. Verse 13 in Jeremiah 29, the Lord says uh, through the prophet, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? All your heart. You get the idea that I'm trying to lay out there? There's nothing hidden. There's nothing that we can't know. But how do we come to know? We, don't, we, we come to know by saying, man, I, I want to know. I want to understand you. I want to know what you're asking of me and what you want of me. I want to make you that premium, that, that treasure in my life that is my goal and my purpose. 
So I, I want to understand. If I want to hear, I gotta want to hear. I, want, I gotta want to understand. If I want to see, I gotta, I gotta want to see. I gotta want to be. I want to press in. To draw close to what God is doing. In Deuteronomy 29, listen to what the Lord said. He said, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. Those things which are revealed belong to us. The secret things are God's. God knows everything. But God also wants to reveal those things. And it's important when we come, that we want to understand those people who flocked to Jesus and all they wanted was what He could do for them. All they wanted was that temporal healing. Remember we talked about that. All they wanted was for Him to make them feel good or to say those nice things to them. They came, they heard, they didn't want, really want to press into the understanding of what he was about or who he was. They either got what they wanted or they didn't. If he fed them that day, they got food. Cool, I got food, I'm, my belly's full, and I can go away for a while. And that's the crowd that on one hand would shout before the masses, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, he is Messiah. And the next day shout, crucify him. Because they're not his. See, Jesus would say all the time when he looked at the people and they would gather and they'd come around him and there'd be all these people gathered around him. Jesus would say, in fact, the scripture would say Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew their hearts. That they really didn't want to know him. That they didn't really care about the message. That it was, it was just another way to, to get something or to try to get something from him. And here he's telling them through parables. Remember, parabole means to cast down an illustration beside a truth so that you can hopefully see what he's laying out for us. He doesn't want to hide his light under a bushel. He's going to, that light's going to come out. Right? That light's going to come out bright on, on the day he walks into Jerusalem. It's going to come out bright the day he's crucified. That light's going to come bright the day he's risen. It's going to come out bright when he ascends. It's going to come out bright when he returns. And then you and I are then responsible in that kingdom with that mentality to then reflect forth his light. And to recognize that the things in the scripture that require understanding also require work. A desire to know. If I sit around, I used to actually pray like this. I used to pray, God, why don't you just give me the gift of guitar playing? Just give me the gift of it. Because I don't, this whole practicing is a drag. My fingers hurt. It, I get cramps in my forearm if there's too many bar chords. I mean, it's, it's just, I just, I would like to, you just impart it to me. God doesn't do that. He don't do it. He doesn't impart that to you. However, He will bless your effort as you go forward and say, Look, I want to do this for you, Lord. Will you, will you bless us? Yeah. He's there for that. But for the other, there's no personal investment. There's no depth, right? Remember the seed? There's no depth of root. And thereby there can be no fruit. So he says, 
If you have ears to hear, then hear. So we're accountable to hear what it is that Jesus is laying out for us. Look at verse 24. And he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Take heed what you hear. Pay attention to what you listen to. Here's here's the upside of church is you have an opportunity to come, spend some time in God's word and prayerfully grow. Downside of church is every time you come, you hear the seed goes out, you're accountable for the seed that went out. You're accountable for what the word said, what God was laying out for you. Whether or not you wanted to grasp it or hold on to it or, or make it a part of, of what you have, is, is, that's, that's on you. I, it was amazing. I, I used to, my, my mom used to tell me that I would get out of school what I wanted to get out of school. And I was pretty sure she was crazy. Because if I went to school and they did it the way I thought they should do it, I thought then, then you know, it would be more fun and I'll, I'll understand all this stuff. Then I went into the Marine Corps. You ever try to tell a Marine Corps instructor, this is not very fun? <laughs> what about, uh, you're kind of boring. Excuse me, drill instructor, this, this whole class kind of boring. Could you maybe spice it up a little bit? Yeah, nobody says that. How come? Because they'll beat you. (laughs) Oh, no, they won't do that. Yeah, you go on believing that. Sign up now. (laughs) We'll we'll hook you up. When you went in, there were classes in Marine Corps, there were classes that were so long and so dry and so boring that you had to test out of and know and understand if you're going to get out of boot camp. That's called motivation. For who? For me. I don't want to stay in this place. People yell at me every day. Screaming and hollering and spitting in your face when they talk to you. I don't like that all that much. So they tell me, Jackie, if you want to get out of here. Yes, I do. Then you got to learn. It was amazing. All of a sudden... I was motivated to retain what was being said. I was motivated to understand what was going on. Now, in a worldly sense, we can get a grip on that. In a spiritual sense, it doesn't change. If I want to understand and I want to know and I want to press into the things of God, then i got to be careful what I hear. That I'm not putting up that hard heart so that the seed... It's just bouncing off. It's got nowhere to go. I want to come with a heart ready to receive. I want, to, I want all that God has for me. I want to be prepared for it. If I hear something I don't like, I don't want to shut it down and push it out. I want to say, Lord, is that for me? Take heed to what you hear. Because the next thing that Jesus told us there in verse 24 with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is, uh, oftentimes we run into things we call Hebrew idioms, or several of them in this section of scripture. Hebrew idiom is like a figure of speech, right? Um, uh, it's a saying, a proverbial saying that, that at, the, at the time when it's given, everybody gets it, everybody understands it. It, it comes ac- across pretty easy. So what he's saying is, you're going to get out what you put in. 
that make sense? We just kind of talked about that. The same measure that you uh, uh, give, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So if my heart is willing, God, I want to receive from you today. And that's my attitude. Lord, I want what you have for me today. Then, then he's going to give me. And the more my heart is willing to receive what God has for me today, the more he's going to give me. Does that make sense? And then what's the scripture go on to say? For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. That's that whole concept of the seed. Remember the seed sowed, it lands, doesn't get a chance to take root. The devil comes in and takes it away. What, what The word of God goes out and you want to hear it and you want to receive it and you want to make it a part of your life, then that's going to go to root and it's going to grow and you're going to grow and develop and, and have a greater understanding of the things that, that God wants to do and is doing in your life. But if you don't, that seed hits the ground and it's just going to get snatched away. It's just going to get snatched away because the heart is not prepared. Now, Luke has a little bit of a, a kind of a cool light to shine on this. If we look at Luke chapter 8, in Luke chapter 8, verse 18, it says, Therefore, take heed how you hear. But Mark said, Take heed what you hear. Pay attention to, to what you're hearing. But Luke says, and that's what I'm saying. We're talking about the same thing. I'm not saying they're talking about two different things. We're talking about the same thing. But Luke says it like this. Take heed how you hear. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even when he has, will be taken away. Sounds familiar, right? Same thing we just, we just read in Mark. A little bit different. One warning was, pay attention to what you hear. The other warning was, pay attention to how you hear. What is the condition of your heart when you come to hear God's word? Is it possible to come with your heart in such a place that it's hard and the seed doesn't penetrate and it just bounces off? Come on, you all know it does. All of you were kids once. Every one of you. I have sat in front of my son talking to him and I fully know he's looking at me, but he's not listening to me. Anybody else ever experienced that? He's looking right in my beady little eyes. And God help him if he rolls them. <laughs> Dad's eyesight's not so good anymore, but it's good enough to see that. And they put a blood pressure cuff on me then, they'll know what high blood pressure looks like. Because <laughs> it immediately comes up. So we know it's possible, right, to harden our hearts, to not be ready to receive and don't you think those people who were there for Jesus who wanted their own thing, the people who were gathered around and they don't, I don't want to really hear what he has to say. I just want to, I just want to get healed. I don't really, I don't really want to hear what he has to say. I just want to, I just want to, to, to get this or to get that or to have this blessed or that blessed. It's, it was all about uh, being man-centric. It was all their worldview centered on themselves. And it didn't center on the Lord. But the scripture tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. That He will work and move, but He's got to have that place. In Matthew chapter 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and then His righteousness. And what happens? All this other stuff you're worried about, that'll be added unto you. But He's got to be first. So if we come and our hearts aren't then do you see how our hearts could be those four other soils? 
Sometimes our heart's shallow and it can't get. It, it starts to do some work, but phew, it's gone. Sometimes it's hard, it bounces off. Sometimes it's able to take root. And so this is why he's saying, take careful how. Take careful how you uh, hear. How you hear. You see, to the, de- the, the degree to which we hear the parables is the extent and how we're allowing the kingdom of God to penetrate our life. Do I really want to know what, what God's talking about? Do I really want to understand what he means by the kingdom of God? And, and what does it mean that it's here now? And what does it mean that, that it's with us? And, and what are these things? If I, if I want that, then I will allow the parable to penetrate. And the key to understanding those who hear are those who keep knocking until the doors open. Who keep seeking. Who keep asking who continue to press in, and by doing so, what happens? They find themselves in a place next to Jesus, inside a little room where He lays it out. Take heed what you hear, how you hear. You have ears. You have ears. Allow the Word of God to do what it wants to do. Otherwise, it's in one ear and out the other. We want what God wants for us. Now, He goes on to talk to us next, in, uh, in verse 26 about the, the growth of the kingdom of God. So, so he lays out for us this idea in the very beginning of, of the, the responsibility we have in the kingdom of God, right? To, that the soil is prepared. That we're able to receive that seed. That we're listening properly. That we want to press in. That we want to understand the secret things of God. We want to know those things. And then he goes on to talk about the growth. Well, what is that? How does, how has the kingdom of God grown? I think John 3, 3 tells us. In John 3, 3, it says this. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, how's the next phrase? You cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You will not see the kingdom of God, except a man be born again. So now he begins to talk about the growth. How is the kingdom of God grown? Now look at this. Parables is really amazing. Verse 26, he says, And so he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Well, that's similar to what we've been talking about, right? As believers, our role is to scatter seed. As believers, it's also to allow that seed to take root in our life. When that seed is sown, people would allow that to, to take place, fruitfulness will come. Well, it says, as he scatters seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed shall sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, then after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. So what's the secret of growth in the kingdom of God. What's the secret to people being born again? To people coming to faith. To the kingdom of, uh, of God growing and being established. The secret is the source. And the source of growth in the kingdom of God. Is not you and me or a program. Or anything else. The secret to growth in the kingdom of God is exactly what he described here. It's the seed. In the seed is the life. What was the farmer doing when the seed was growing? Sleeping. 
Now, it doesn't absolve the fact that the farmer prepares the ground and, and, and scatters the seed and makes sure uh, that whatever irrigation or things to take place. But a farmer cannot make that seed grow. He can do everything he can so that it has the best chance to grow. But it is the seed that contains life. Good seed, good fruit. And what do we see about the seed? We already saw it earlier in the, in the, in the, in the parable, right? The seed is the Word of God. Well, let's look at 1 Peter 1, 23 and 25. The seed being the Word of God, and in the Word of God there is life. Look what it says. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, not bad seed, uh, but uncorruptible through the Word of God. So the uncorruptible seed that brings about salvation is the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is like the grass, and all the glory of man is like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls away. But the Word of God does what? Endures forever. So the Word of God, this is the seed of life. Now this is the Word which by the Gospel was preached to you. A man went out to sow. How does the kingdom grow? The kingdom grows when God's people recognize they have a simple job to do. Scatter seed. What's the seed we're supposed to scatter? Well, i got to have a degree in apologetics so I know how to argue with everybody, right? That's not what it says. It says you sow, sow the seed. The seed brings life. What's the seed? It's the Word of God. So I share the Word of God with people. I'm sharing life. And, and then when I share that seed, I don't have to do nothing else to it. I just sow it. And if the heart is good soil, it'll go to root. And it'll bring forth fruit. And if it's not, it might bounce off. And maybe the first three, four, five, ten times I sow in this particular field, the seed's just bouncing off the hard ground. But it doesn't mean, it never tells me to stop sowing. That's my part. The part that brings life is the Word of God. The Word of God, it's alive, right? Isn't that what the Scripture tells us? The Word of God is alive. So the involvement of the sower is to cast the seed. And that's it. Look at Galatians 6.9. It says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap what? There will be a harvest if we don't lose heart. So what are we supposed to do? Sow. What about if I sow and then they look mean at me? Sorry, man. If that's the worst we're going to have to face, you're good to go. (laughs) Keep scattering seed. Sow. Sow. Sow the Word of God. So how do I sow the Word of God? Can I put out what I have not brought in? I I can't sow seed unless I got seed. How do I get that seed? How do I shine forth light in the lamp? How does that happen? You know that the, when the lamp burns, it consumes itself, right? It's consuming its wick and its oil. So how does that lamp continue to burn? Something has to go in, right? There has to be something going in. That, don't you see that's why Jesus said, take heed what you hear. Because what you hear 
is the seed coming in or the oil or the wick or the substance that you need to be able to sow. Take heed to what's coming in. Receive what's coming in. Hold on to what's coming in so you can give it out. So you can give it out so that you can share. So we're to, we're to cast the seed. Who brings the harvest? Well, God does. In this story, you don't see the, the farmer fretting, right? It says he sows, and he goes to bed, and he gets up, and he does the stuff that he does. But the seed just keeps growing. Does the seed grow when he sleeps? Is the seed growing if he's not working the field? Is the seed growing pretty much no matter what he's doing? The seed is growing. It doesn't have anything to do with him. Because life is in the seed. The life is in the word of God. In in Hebrews 4.12 it says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of the soul and the spirit, and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God is living. If it is allowed to penetrate the hard exterior of the heart, if that soil is willing to receive what it has and it can go to root, it will bring forth fruit. Isaiah 55.11 says this, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return void. Right? It will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God is going to bring a harvest. So when we look at this story, and it says that that there's a harvest, and he thrusts in the sickle, what's he talking about? Sometimes we have other parables that, that, that talk about it's the end of days, and the division between the real and the fake, the, the pretender and the possessor. It's... Uh, it's, is, is that the kind of harvest that he's talking about? I don't think so. I don't think he's talking about physical death or the end of the age. I think he's talking about people being born again. That's the fruit. The Word of God takes root. It grows. Life, the new life begins. Relationships change. That's the harvest he's talking about. And the kingdom of God grows. How's the kingdom of God grow? When people come to faith in Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God grows. The challenge for, for me personally, I am a, a premillennialist. Some of you say, what's that mean? It doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> it matters some. I'm a premillennialist, pre-trib, I believe in the rapture and all that stuff. But sometimes our eschatology can cause us to think, I, I shouldn't be doing anything. I should just be waiting. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that, that he wants to find us doing what he's asked us to do. What's he asked us to do? So, so. Jackie, I don't know what God wants me to do. I do. He wants you to sow. He wants you to sow. Sow the seed. But what if nobody listens? That's not your job. So, all you got to do is put it out and allow the Word of God to do the work in somebody's life, heart and life, right? And when people begin to ask questions, what does that mean? That means the seed is beginning to break up the soil. 
And we answer the questions. What if I answer them wrong? You'll be okay. Don't be afraid. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and sound mind. God gives you what you need. First, we've got to do the part that God's asking us to do. I've got to sow. I've got to sow. I've got to find ways where I can be, just like this farmer. I get up and I sow the seed and we watch God give the increase. We watch God do the work that God wants to do. So as we look at this growth of the kingdom, then, then he has a parable about the size of the kingdom. Look at that one in verse 31. It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. When we look at this, we once again are dealing with two things. Uh, Hebraic proverbial saying and or slash uh, idiom figure of speech. The mustard seed is not the smallest of every seed. But for the Hebrew, this was part of a proverbial saying, a proverb. You guys get what I mean? And the proverb was always along the same lines. The mustard seed was, the, was what you would use when you talked about something that was extremely small and you wanted to contrast it with something that was going to grow to become extremely big. So when he says, it's like the mustard seed, he's using their proverb. He's saying, it's just like that proverb you guys tell. It's, the, it's like the seed of a mustard seed. It's small. When the kingdom of God begins, where it's 12 guys in Jerusalem. In a, in a place nobody cares about. Nobody is sitting around in the rest of the world going, I wonder what's going on in Jerusalem right now. Nobody at that time even knew the name Jesus Christ. A small beginning, right? Like a mustard seed. Well, now your calendars are set by that small beginning. Now there's a much greater impact. Is this the other end of the spectrum then? Have we arrived at the point where this is the, the greatness of the size of the kingdom of God? I don't think so. I don't think we have it all buttoned up and put together yet. I think the point is, it's going to begin small and it's going to grow. So what's my job? If the kingdom of God is going to start small... And, and that's where the disciples were, right? What was the message to them? It's going to start small, but it's going to grow, guys. So what was the message to them? So. So then here I am, 2,000 years later, and I look at it, and I go, man, the kingdom of God is going to start small, and it did. And look where it is today, but this is not the end of days. I haven't come to the end of days. It's not over yet. So what's my job? Did anything change? No, we're still supposed to sow. There's still people lost, right? We all know that. There's still people going into in, eternity perishing. with No, no faith, no understanding of, of who Christ is. And what He's all about. And look, if they want to live their life with a hard heart where the seed can't penetrate, that won't be my fault. I just have one job to do. Sow. Sow the seed. I want to hear. I want to understand. I want to grow. I want to know those things that Jesus wants to reveal and move and work in my life. And so as that's my desire, He's going to give me more. And my ability to sow 
will be a little greater. Maybe he'll give me a greater area to sow that seed in. One of the things I love about my wife, you can't take her no place where she don't sow. And I don't mean with the sewing machine, although sometimes that's true too. She will sew. She'll sew in a line at Walmart. She will sew. I can't even think of the weirdest place she ever sewed before. Oh, airplanes. You stuck with her for when we went to Africa? Oh, Lord have mercy. That was like a, what was the long part of that flight? 13, 17? 17 hours. Stuck next to a sewer. <laughs> Just sowing the word. Sowing the word. Don't got to be obnoxious and rude and mean. And nobody will ever use those words describing my wife. They'll not say, you know, your wife is just obnoxious. Unless they mean obnoxiously nice or something like that. <laughs> but she sows. She sows. What is it that, that Jesus is telling his disciples in this parable and those who would come close? Guys, we got a job to do. Jesus came to shine forth that light. And what a beacon it is when he's proclaimed Messiah, when he dies on the cross, when he raises from the dead, and when he ascends into heaven, when he promises to return again. And we want to reflect that light. And we want to understand the things of the word. And we want to sow. Because if we'll cast the seed, lives will change. Things change in people when they allow the Word of God, right? When they allow the Word of God to do the work it wants to accomplish in our hearts and lives. We want to allow that to take place. We want to see it. Now sometimes when we come to this particular parable of the mustard seed, we'll make a... a, uh, a big deal about the birds, and certainly in some of the other places uh, where this is is uh, shared, it's a little more evident. So I thought I'd give a, a quick word about the birds. Sometimes you'll hear this phrase, well, the birds are always evil. Um, I only have one problem with that phrase, the word always. And since they're not always represented in Scripture evil, it... It makes it difficult to decide this time we're going to make it evil. Because we look in Daniel chapter 4 and we look in uh, um, several other places in the Old Testament. Psalm 104, Ezekiel 17 and and Daniel 4. All uh, the birds don't represent evil. It just represents someone finding covering or refuge. Good word. Covering in, in God's plan and purpose. So when we look at this. It's very easy to see that that's what, that can be what he's talking about. We don't need that to, to make some eschatological point. If you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. Just erase that part. It wasn't in the Bible anyway. But what we want to do is say, what, what is the plain understanding? What is it laying out for me? What does it say? It says a small beginning to a, to a, a big growth. And so what that tells me is, I have a responsibility no matter where I am along that line. Right? Even if I'm the dude that's, that's a week before the end. We're not to the fullness of the growth. So what's my job? So, what if I'm in the middle? So, what if I'm in the beginning? So, I want to scatter seed. It's like a man who goes out to scatter seed. Now look at what Jesus had to say in verse 33. It says in verse 33, And with many such parables, Now what Mark is telling us, This isn't everything Jesus taught. Doesn't John say the same thing? 
John says, if we wrote everything Jesus said, and all the libraries of the world wouldn't be able to hold it. By the way, that's a hyperbole, so don't get too uptight about it. The, the idea is that it's an exaggeration, right? But he said, it means, he said a lot of things that aren't written here. A lot of things that aren't, Mark says the same thing, a lot of things that weren't written here. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. So to whom? Those who received it were given more. And those who didn't were given less. Now, here's the interesting point. Who made the decision? If you kept pressing close to Jesus, what did you get? More. If you decided, this is lame, I'm out of here, what did you get? Less. Who chose? You did. You made the decision, right? He says right here that he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Those who pressed in continued to give more. But in verse 34 it says, But without a parable he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained what? All things to his disciples. Listen, this is the point. Only in association with Jesus can we learn to understand the language of God. That's important. That's important for us to, to, to grasp. The Bible is not naturally discerned. It's spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned. It requires spiritual sight. It requires spiritual life. I have to have faith and trust placed in Jesus Christ. If I'm going to understand what he's talking about and what's going on. So only in my association with Jesus can I learn to understand the language of God. Take heed what you hear. Pay attention to what the word says. Allow your heart to receive the seed so that it can grow. And as that grows and is established in you, that's going to give you opportunity to sow. What happens in the harvest when when something comes and bears fruit? What's the fruit? It's more seed. Isn't it? It's more seed. You have more seed so that that continue to be planted. It continue to grow. It continue to go out. And that's what we want. We want that seed to happen so that we can allow it to go out and grow and have understanding. Look, when we look at these parables, Jesus, he was it. He was the parable speaker. Everybody in the area knew. Man, we go to Jesus, he's going to talk to us. In parables, what's he going to do? He's going to use graphic images and illustrations to help us to see the things that he's saying. So Jesus would would tease, if you will. He would tantalize. He would lay something out there so that those who wanted to know would press in. The Bible tells us there were 12 disciples. Right? But then we read other sections where it talks about the seven the sending out of the 70. Where'd they come from? I thought there was only 12. Well, in the upper room. In the upper room, when they gathered in prayer, waiting for the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, the disciples were all gathered together, and they were in one accord praying. How many was there? 120. Judas was dead, so now there's only 11. Well, then they picked, what's his name? Matthias? Matthias? And so Matthias is there, but there's 120 now. So when it talks about the disciples, it's not just talking about the twelve. What's it talking about? 
It's talking about all those guys who heard and said, man, I want to understand. I want to know more. I want to press in. I want to be a part of what's going on. And the more we do that, the more we, we can be real and less hypocritical. Less fakers and, and wannabes and more of the reality that we're reflecting the light of Christ so that people can see that light and come to the light. And in their relationship with Christ, they learn to speak the language of God. They learn to see and their eyes are opened. And they're able to understand. But the, there's still life in the seed. Right? Jesus said, if I send it out, it's going to do what I sent it to do. Prepare the heart. Make way for the ability for faith to grow. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come before you this morning, Lord Jesus, as we look at just a um, small section, really, of, of the teaching of the parables uh, that you lay out for us, God. And in this particular section, Lord, as we open up the Gospel of Mark, Mark is emphasizing our willingness to, to hear, to want to know, to want to sow, to want to have good soil in our heart, to press into Jesus so that we can have understanding. And all those things are still true today, Lord. If we want understanding, we gotta, we got to come into you. we got to draw near. We have to understand that, that the only way we can know anything on this earth is to lay out before us whatever evidence there may be and lay out the probability of whether or not that may or may not be true. And then I have to step out in faith. All things. All things. God, may your word go forth and begin doing that work of evidence as God speaks from outside of time and tells us the things that are are happening, things that are going to happen. Lord, and especially to tell us about your son who came to take our brokenness upon himself so that we could be set free. So that we could become sowers. He came and sowed. And those of us who received that seed and that seed took root and came to fruit, then we went forward and we sowed. And more come. And more come. God, I pray that you would help us to focus on that reality of the, the truth of your gospel being the seed. And that the ability for the kingdom of God to grow hinges on our willingness to sow. On our willingness to be light. To be salt. To be what you're asking us to be. That we would pay attention to what we hear and how we hear so that we can then take that and spread it even as the 12 sitting around Jesus spread that. And Lord God, I pray that as we look forward to a harvest, God, you know whose are yours. That's not our responsibility. We sow. We sow, God, and you give the increase, Lord. And that 
one authoritative link between us and you is your word. You have given us your word. That word that keeps me from sin. That word that helps me be the man I need to be. That word that helps me to grow. That word that you call me to sow. All things in that word. For you declared in John. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Lord we pray that you would do a work in hearts and lives today. And that we would recognize. In here this is not the mission field. But right outside that door. That's the field you call us to sow. So God, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would be magnified, and that we, as we go from this day to wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, Lord, I pray that our desire would be to lift you up. And as we make you visible, you'll draw all men to yourself. And we will give you all the praise and glory. For it's you who has done all the work. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.